Welcome back to the Marvelous Middle Age Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Jennifer Smith. Jennifer is a passionate developer of people and loves saying yes to anything related to that idea. She created the Art of Living Dangerously Leadership Model, published a best-selling book, The Art of Living Dangerously, The Rebel's Guide to Thriving in a World that Expects You to Conform, and earned her doctorate researching women entrepreneurs in an entrepreneurial ecosystem. She has a second book in process on the experience of growing through grief. In midlife, sometimes things happen to us that we do not expect. Today, Jennifer shares her journey through grief as she recently lost her husband, Daryl. Jennifer's story is so powerful, and I was honored that she chose to share it with me. Please note, this episode does include mention of suicide, so please take care in listening. Welcome to the Marvelous Middle-Aged Podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely my pleasure. Well, I, I probably should have clarified this before we started. Do you prefer to be Dr. Smith or Dr. Jen or... <laughs> I have such a mixed relationship with my title. I'm teasing you. Um, I really do because it's funny at work. I get called Dr. Smith a lot mm -hmm. because just the, the nature of my role and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm teaching, of course, I'm usually Dr. Smith. But in, you know, day to day life, it's not really my my place. Right. I'm no. just Jen. Just, yes. It's just me. Just Jen. Yeah. I love that. Just Jen. I love it. Well, we've known each other a long time. And when I saw that you achieved the doctor title, I was like, yes, now I can call her Dr. Jen, Dr. Smith. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. I, I shared with you before we started recording that when I was talking about doing this podcast, uh, you were one of the first people that I thought of to have on. And I've been following along with you and your journey and we've known each other a long time we have haven't seen each other in a while but we've known each other a long time we met when our sons were little itty bitties yeah. two Tots. three years old yeah mm -hmm. and we were on the parent teacher organization at the child care center that they were going to and we met and then later this was a few years back you were my life coach I was and yes. I needed that at that time. I was in a spot where I was kind of questioning what I was doing with my life and professionally. And you were such an incredible help to me. And I wanted to share with you something that you taught me, a tool that I have kept in my toolbox all these years because I want you to know the impact that you had on me. And one of the practices that you had me do, I think when we first started maybe, was I was really feeling scattered. Like I had my hands in so many different pots, wasn't really spending a lot of time on any one thing, frustrated at where I was professionally. You had me do an exercise where I listed out my top five values or, or priorities in my life. What was most important to me? Do you remember this? It's my, one of my yeah. favorite exercises. And <laughs> you had me list those five. I think it was five yeah. at that point and said, okay, now I want you to write out what you do in a day from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. What are you doing with your day? And do those things align with those priorities? Right. And what does not align what can go, what can stay, and focus on your priorities as a way to feel 
that you are pursuing what you're called to pursue in life, where you want to spend your time, who do you want to spend your time with? I still use that tool today when I'm feeling that restless, am I doing what I'm called to do? Am I living out my purpose? I will sit down with a blank pad of paper, blank notepad and make out my five categories and write down what I'm doing and I can pretty now quickly see where things aren't aligning. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's such a powerful tool. And I just I kind of came up with that. It was just such a random I remember the yellow notebook, you know, legal pad that I came up with that on one night. And I was actually I was on a group coaching call with my coach at the time and I just started listing out all the things I was doing in my life. And then I started organizing them into these categories, grouping them, kind of doing like a mind map kind of thing and linking them. And then I realized like, you know, and then I kind of stepped back from that and went, okay, but what are the most important things in my life? And I listed around five Mm -hmm. and it's always somewhere between three and six for people. Right. And so I listed around five for me. And then I kind of, I looked back at this list of all the activities and I realized that the bulk of my energy was going to things that were not in my top five Mm. most important. Yeah. I was spending an extraordinary amount of time on some things that I enjoyed doing. Don't get me wrong. They weren't things I hated to do, but they were not where I was getting the most return on my energetic investment. Exactly. You know, that was really feeding my soul. In fact, in in many ways, it was draining my soul. Mm. And so I was tired. And I was contemplating at that time in my life, I was, I was in a rough marriage, um, you know, to my son's father, he would say the same thing. I'm not speaking out of turn. Sure. You know, we were, we were having a rough time. My, um, you know, I wasn't particularly happy at work. I had Mm -hmm. different things I wanted to be doing and I was doing what so many women I think do. And maybe we're, we're probably diving into something else, but I was doing at that point in my life, something I think so many women do at that stage and just trying to overcompensate Mm. by being busy. Yep. And holding myself to these external standards of excellence that I didn't even want to meet. Right. You know, and that nobody can truly meet. Yeah. I mean, and so as I transitioned into coaching, you know, really into full time coaching, you know, about a year later, I I was just like, that tool felt powerful to Mm. me. Let me try it with some clients and see what happens. And next thing I knew, I was teaching a couple of classes about it. And I was working with clients Mm -hmm. with like you Mm -hmm. with it. And it was, it was making a difference for people. And that was a big deal. I was like, okay, there's something to this. And the other piece of it I would share on that just as it's funny since then I've read, you know, I read a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's so Mm -hmm. many, there's so many different versions of very similar exercises to go through. And I'm like, it's, it's almost in a way really nice to know that it, this wasn't something that just like I was the first person in the world to create it because (laughs) honestly, I would hate that. Right. I hope other people have stumbled onto that, but for me, the way that it manifested and kind of organically just came to me made it right for me. Mm-hmm. And I've, my clients, a lot of my clients have kind of made it their own. And I love that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a like stick to the rules kind of person. So sure. I love right. it, you yeah. know? No, well, like I said, it has been something I have carried with me all these years. And I just wanted to share with yeah. you that, you know, I think sometimes we wonder if what we're doing matters, mm-hmm. you know, and if it has an impact and are we yeah. impacting people and that definitely impacted me. And it's well, something and that I've I carried. love that feedback hey. and I'm honored that you still use it and that yep. it still does work for you. I totally, totally do. I do it frequently. So, uh, I also wanted you to just share with the listeners, um, what you're up to professionally. You've had quite yeah. a journey and yeah. I would love to know, 
just briefly, um, you shared that you've got some exciting things coming up. You've mm-hmm. written a book. Yeah. You have another one on the way. Yep. Uh, I would love to just kind of get an update from you on what you're doing these yeah. days. Yeah. And, you know, so for those that aren't really familiar with my past, just a quick mm-hmm. thumbnail. You know, I came um, I came into kind of the professional world through the military. So mm-hmm. the first 10 years of my life in the military. Um, I did not. I'm one of those people that will freely admit I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, and that still stands at almost 50. Mm. Like, I have no idea what I want to be right. when I grow up. Hey, that's okay. It changes all the time. And so my going into the Army was kind of one of those, like, hey, I don't know what I want to do. Let me. I'm going to go and do this because mm-hmm. it seems like a really cool opportunity. And so when I came out, I similarly ended up in Iowa the same way. Had this great opportunity to go to work for um, a company here in town and was recruited into that, spent about 18 months there, loved it, and then was recruited into the same, you know, the company you and I worked for yes. at the same time. Um, you know, and from there, I went into an entrepreneurial venture. I owned a store. I went full-time into my coaching. Um, you know, I've owned a couple of different things. I ran rental properties for a while. I've run, I've been in a joint um, art studio, run a couple of retail organizations. Um, and that's all just kind of been evolving. And then in 2018, when I decided to pursue my doctorate, you know, just, it's funny how sometimes your intuition just leads you in the right way when you follow it. Mm -hmm. And that's always been my guidepost is, you know, when I've got a gut feeling about something being right or wrong, I try to follow it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I try to stay really deeply connected with that feeling. And in 2018, I kind of followed a bit of a whim and decided to do my doctorate. I I was not someone who was like, I need a doctorate. That is my life. I need to pursue that. In fact, when my friend approached me about doing it, I was just like, a doctorate? Really? Like me? I don't I don't know about that. But I did it, ended up just really loving, felt really found out that this love of learning I've always had. I've always yeah. been a huge nerd, love to learn. I'm not always real performance driven as far as like I don't need to like have the A's in the classes, sure. but love the the acquisition of knowledge process. Mm. And so my house is covered in books. Yeah, I've got conference notes from all kinds of things. I follow way too many podcasts. I'm subscribed <laughs> to way too many newsletters. You know, I'm one of those people I just love to consume. Um, and so I did this doctorate, and I started out. Um, I had a couple of different topics. I was really, I was really interested in this kind of, you know, this whole thing that I do, which is like, what's the different way of living? What's the mm-hmm. unconventional? the, um, you know, the adverse, the abnormal, the against the grain kind of leadership. What is that? I was interested in pursuing that. And that's a really fuzzy topic. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And when you're trying to get to a research question, that's hard. And so, but at the end of the day, I ended up settling in on a topic I was not even remote. In fact, I was actively rebelling against, which was gendered leadership, Mm -hmm. studying women and leadership. I was actively against it. And the reason I was actively against it was I just, I was seeing so much what I felt like was just rhetoric out there. Mm. It was just, to me, the same stuff, different, different voice, like saying it. And I was like, it's overdone. It's overstudied. It's saturated. I don't want to do it. And as I started to dig into what was, you know, beyond the headlines, beyond the popular, Mm -hmm. you know, conversation, I really did become interested in like there is still inequities, there's still inequality, there's still some challenges for women um, that are just kind of BS, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Like this right. is stuff that we as a society are so capable of moving past. Sure. Why are we still having to have these conversations? And so that I got interested in that. 
So I ended up doing my dissertation research on uh, women entrepreneurs in the um, Eastern Iowa entrepreneurial ecosystem. And nice. so I, I really, I dug into that and I did a what's called a grounded theory study, which um, the easiest way for me to explain that is if anybody's familiar with Brene Brown's work, mm. that's the kind of research she mm. does. Sure. And so it's that form of research where you're just, you're gathering stories for days and days and days and days and then coming up with meaning out of those stories. And I love that approach. It's yeah. just my favorite. It's part of the reason I love podcasting as well, yes. because it's all about the stories, it right? It is, for sure. So, um, you know, so I did that, loved it, um, graduated, you know, at the same time I went to work for a nonprofit here in town that was focused on innovation, entrepreneurship, and um, tech development, and I was writing innovation for them, and you know, all this stuff. And then I got recruited by another company in town, went to work as their learning and development manager, and that was all being spurred by this idea that I was realizing how much I loved the transfer of knowledge to people. And mm. I'd been doing that through coaching for years, oh, yeah. you know, sure. and now it was starting to translate in this totally different way. And I was continuing to coach, I'm um, continuing to teach. I teach for a university out in West Virginia. I still teach in their leadership programs um, as a professor. And then, you know, about six months ago, I got recruited to head up um, training for a private security firm based out of New York. And so I'm doing oh. that now, awesome. um, which is a whole different kind of, of training, much more compliance based in some ways, sure. um, but also just this huge emphasis on leadership development and building and growing uh, programs. And I'm getting to delve into things like organizational effectiveness and what makes an organization really mm. effective. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, I'm working on a book, um, which is really based on the experience that I'm having with my husband's death, which mm -hmm. I know we're going to get into. Yes. Because um, I got married about, it's been a little over a year ago now. Mm -hmm. I got married to an active duty soldier um, who uh, died in May of this year. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, when he died, it just blew my foundation up, mm -hmm. blew, blew my world up, um, still does on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, you know, but the cool thing was, you know, coming out of that is I'm not one, I'm not one to let things knock me down for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what I learned about that process for me was um, professionally, I just tried to keep going. Mm -hmm. Like I really, like I was calling my boss every day, like I'll be back at work soon. And she's just mm -hmm. like, what are you doing? Like, take right. your time. What is going on? And I remember on? doing the same, like, when Alexander was born, he mm -hmm. was three months premature, mm -hmm. my son, mm -hmm. you know, and our sons are the same age. Yeah. He was premature. And I remember calling my boss on the way to the hospital as I'm going into preterm labor, going, hey, the proposal is up on my computer. And, you know, and she's like, why are you talking to me? Like, you are having a baby. Stop. Go do the baby thing, you know, go save your child's life. Go give life. birth. And, and then, you know, it's the, it was the same thing with this. And, you know, she finally just had to tell me, go focus on what you need to focus on. You are mm -hmm. not working right now. Mm -hmm. Like go focus. And so professionally, you know, just it made a big difference for me to have a leader who was just like, you know, stop, mm -hmm. stop what you're doing. Right. You know, and at the same time, you know, and I had launched a podcast last year um, called The Dangerous Leader and mm -hmm. loved it. Was doing, you know, similarly just hearing, yes. talking with people like you are, you know, focusing conversations on this idea of kind of rebel leadership and, you know, living on your own terms and, I was about to launch season two just before Daryl died. And again, it's back to that idea of intuition. I had this intuition, like you need to pause mm -hmm. on this, mm -hmm. just, just press pause. And so I called my producer and I was like, Hey, I'm just, I'm feeling like I just need to wait till the fall. I just, mm -hmm. something's, 
something's not right. It's This is not going as smoothly as I had hoped it would. I don't feel ready. And sure enough, two weeks later, mm. you know, my husband passes yeah. away. And I it just yeah. was this really, really kind of point of, of clarity for me where like, okay, sure. I do, I really do need to listen to my intuition on a regular basis, Absolutely. you know? And so, yeah. So perfect, you know, so today, you know, as I, as I sit here in front of you, I've got, my company is completely changed. I'm still doing coaching and consulting. I've got two consultants that I'm working with or across the U S with their own client base. I'm doing a little bit of coaching right now. I'm not doing a lot of consulting just timeline wise and quite honestly, emotional capacity. Right. Um, right. and then, um, I've got, I, I'm teaching still, um, for the university of Charleston and then I work full time for this company, you know, mm-hmm. and I am my big claim to fame. I kind of joke about is I'm their only Iowa based employee. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, <like laughs> representing, representing um, the state of Iowa. Yeah. Yes. And then I'm, I'm working on this book that just mm-hmm. chronicles essentially, um, you know, the experience that I've had getting to know myself through this grief process. Mm-hmm. And really the, you know, the awareness and the different kinds of pain that I've had with this and mm-hmm. what that's taught me about life and my relationship and my husband and just really everything, you know, Absolutely. so working on that. And I don't have it pitched to any publishers or anything else. And, you know, I've always been just like at the end of the day, I might just self-publish it. I don't sure. care, you know, right. Very different from my first book, which um, I kind of jokingly say was like my kindergarten edition. Like, sure. and, and I get a lot of really good feedback <laughs> yeah. on it. So I, I don't mean that in any demeaning way to anybody right. who's read it and enjoyed it. It's, you know, but it's like that was my first foray mm-hmm. into putting a book out. And as I look at it now, I'm like, God, I've learned so much mm-hmm. since I wrote these words. You know, there's yeah. things in that book that if I could take them back, I would because I just don't I don't feel that way anymore. Sure. And I've thought about unpublishing it a couple of times and I've had, a, you know, different conversations with other authors about that. Cause I'm like, how do you handle this? Mm-hmm. You know, this evolution of your own thinking and knowing, you know, and uh they're like, you know, if you think about it, you know, that book is an entry point for some people into your work and some people need that entry point. Yes. And then your own evolution of thought is going to mirror their evolution of thought and they're going to mm-hmm. grow with you and, mm-hmm. and let that happen. You don't get to decide what messages mm. people receive or don't receive. Right. And like, that's, that's really hard for a control freak like me. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want that out there. You know, you were saying that and I was having that exact thought that somebody needs to hear those words Mm -hmm. or read those words, I guess I should say. They need to read those words, even though they may not be concepts or thoughts you might align to exactly today. Somebody needs that today. and. It will be an entry point into your work. And so when you pr- you produce other works, yeah. they will say, oh, I really liked what she had to say yeah. over here. I'm going to pursue this and they will evolve and yeah. grow as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that is really hard, though, because you're just probably like, no, I just I just need to go in and change this whole yeah. entire chapter because I don't think that way anymore. Yeah. That's not a concept I would maybe yeah. want to share. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine that's not an easy yeah. thing to know that's sitting out there. Yeah. But so my first book was called The Art of Living Dangerously yes. and this next one's going to be called The Art of Loving Dangerously. Oh, love that. And so I'm um, that. and that's really it's you know it's based on grief, it's based mm-hmm. on, you know, the nature of the relationship I had with my husband which was mm-hmm. in brief but intense. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's just 
I'm excited the way that it's unfolding. Um, yeah, I just I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm not done with it yet. So no, that's part <laughs> of the part of the process, you know. Yeah. When you were talking about grief, and I just don't. This is just my opinion. I just don't feel like grief, mm-hmm. and, and and grief in the sense of of losing someone, their passing. There's you can grieve a lot of different things, but I think especially the grief around the death of a, of a person in your life. It's just not something that's talked about enough. And I know, um, when my mom died, she's been gone five years and I still feel like we just don't talk about what grief is like and what that process is like. And that even, you know, whether it's the day it happens or five years or 10 years, it, it is something that, it changes you mm-hmm. as as a person, and I just don't think we talk enough about how that change happens. Um, and I appreciate you being willing to come on today to talk about this because it is very new and, and fresh. And I, of course, want you to share whatever level yeah. you're comfortable sharing um, as you're, you know, kind of processing this. Um, mm-hmm. You're processing your own grief. You are processing grief of others who knew your husband. Um, what has that process so far looked like for you in your yeah, life? What is a that complete been train like? wreck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a short mm-hmm. answer. You know, it's it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, you know, he, my husband was not living, you know, his best life before mm-hmm. he died. And, and mm-hmm. I, it wasn't necessarily, um, his choice. Mm-hmm. He, he had been a sop, uh, special operations, um, soldier. He was in the 75th Ranger Regiment in the, in the U S army. And mm-hmm. he had done several different deployments. He had seen some things that were very horrific. He'd mm-hmm. had to do some things that mm-hmm. were very horrific. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you know, he had what many of us have, which is, you know, trauma from pre-service time as well that was sure. compounding that. And so he was not uh, mentally well mm-hmm. and he was aware that he was mm-hmm. not mentally well. Like mm-hmm. that he had severe PTSD. He had multiple traumatic brain injuries. He was uh, really battling anxiety and depression on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of those guys that um, I did not know what I was going to get when I called. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't know what the mood was going to be. Um, he was in uh, in the summer of 22. I had to um, commit him because he was suicidal, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was really afraid he was going to kill himself. And mm-hmm. so, and that was his. Since I knew him, that was his second 30 um, day inpatient treatment mm-hmm. for that. And yeah. so. You know, he was just, he was not, he was not well. And then physics, so that's just the mental component. Mm-hmm. Physically, um, he had some stuff that he was battling as well that just physically made it even harder to deal with the mental stuff. Right. And so, you know, we, he had left Ranger Regiment um, sort, shortly after, about a year after he and I had gotten together and he moved to Austin, Texas and then ended up down in San Antonio because after that um, suicide attempt, we, uh, they sent, the army made a smart decision to send him to a more enhanced support mm-hmm. environment. Okay. And so he was in this enhanced support environment. And the tough part about all of that for me was there was a couple of things. One, um, you know, that whole idea of what our special operations soldiers are dealing with right now is mm. just, it's way bigger than we can cover on this podcast right. first and foremost. But, 
Um, you know, the other part of it was he was attempting to receive help inside of the system that broke him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's like going to your abuser for right. healing, you know, sure. and it's, and the, I'm not saying that the army was doing a terrible job or anything else, mm-hmm. but he had an inherent mistrust mm. of that system. And I think that was just, and I, I didn't see that clearly at that time, but in retrospect, I see that so clearly mm-hmm. that that's where some of his resistance to his own healing was coming from. Mm. And so, cause he did, he battled it. My husband was also someone that if you tell him what to do, he's going to go do the opposite just because he yeah. was an honorary SOB. Like sure. he just was, he was honorary. Yep. It's part of what I loved about him. Um, right. he was a, he was a wonderful man though, outside of all of that sickness, mm-hmm. like he was, he was a lot like me. Like he yeah. lived life to the fullest. Yes. He was, when he was in a good mood, like his sense of humor and his ability yeah. to light up a room. He, he was one of those guys that if you put him in the middle seat of an airline, like he would be, you know, somebody's godfather and the best man in the other person's <laughs> wedding. Like he just, yeah, he loved people and he loved making an impression. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, we've got this picture of this horse in this room right now, which is perfect right. because mm-hmm. his other thing was he was a cowboy at heart. And what he was going to do when he got out was go shoe horses. That's all he wanted to do Wow, was get back with the horses. Yeah. And so that was a really big component of just who he was as a person. Mm -hmm. He had been a team roper um, before he joined the army. He was really big in the into all of that kind of lifestyle. And, you know, that was our plan was he was going to go to farrier school and that's Mm. what he was going to do. And we were going to end up back down in Texas and that's where we were going to be because that's where he wanted to be. Right. That felt like home to him. And I, I needed him to be somewhere he felt like was home. Of course. So, and you know, and he had two little boys that he just, he lived for them, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and he had a hard time with that relationship because of what he was dealing with. But Loved those little boys, you know, more mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah. And he was so excited to be my son's stepfather and right. like go to soccer games. And I was kind of laughing about that yesterday mm-hmm. with one of the other soccer moms. Cause I'm like, yeah, Daryl really wanted to like be at these things. I was like, but the thing is, Daryl had never really been at these things. Yeah. So I don't know what his tolerance <laughs> did he, right, for. Did he know what he was asking <laughs> for on that one? Yeah. I don't it's think like, he I don't know. But like yeah. sitting on a soccer <laughs> sideline all day long really feels like, you yeah, know, but right. he, you know, he just, he was so proud of my son and he was just really yeah. wanting to be connected that way. He just wanted to be in a home. That was what he really wanted. And so, yeah. You know, he died suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was. He died in his sleep. Um, mm-hmm. His mother had had a stroke. Mm-hmm. He was in Houston um, with dealing with that, and he had stayed at a friend's house that night. And we just couldn't get a hold of him the next morning. And I mm-hmm. just, I knew intuitively, I knew something was really mm-hmm. wrong. I just mm-hmm. knew because mm-hmm. it wasn't that I had never been able to get a hold of him before, because that would happen. So it, that just happens. Right. Like phones don't just, work, whatever yeah. that happens. But I just knew in my soul something was, something was really else. wrong. Yeah. And so when I got the phone call from his sister after we had kind of like tracked everything down, it just, it hit me like a ton. I just didn't know how to react. Mm-hmm. I remember just going very numb, mm-hmm. not knowing what to do, not, you know, just, you just, you, I went into this fog. I just mm-hmm. went into a fog and, a lot of things went on autopilot. Um, I tried to call my boss right away. She didn't answer. And then for better or for worse, um, one of the guys that works for me was his platoon sergeant and ranger regiment. And he works for me now, kind of this weird connection. I was his college professor. Oh, okay. He and Daryl were talking one night. Um, you know, he was recruiting for this position in this company. Daryl's like, why don't you hire my wife? 
long story wow. short, I end up in That's this job. Strong. You Isn't know, this guy so becomes available to move to another new, another team. I'm like, he's mine. You know, like, <laughs> sure. and so we we're kind of wow. this is all in the works, but we hadn't like this hadn't all became really public. We weren't really talking about it yet. Right. But I said so, I ended up calling him and being like, I like I I hate to tell like, and then I of course how oh. I am I'm feeling bad for having to tell him his friend is dead. And, you know, he's like, holy shit. Yeah. He's like, you're kidding. This is a joke. Right. Like, I mean, right. and that was pretty much everybody's reaction. Yeah. Like, Total you've shock. got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, he was 37 years old, you know, and for him to die in his sleep. Mm -hmm. um, the punchline to all of that is I still don't know what killed him. His death investigation is still open. My understanding is it's being treated as a suspicious death because of the terms of it, okay. which is kind of a blanket, open, generic term. Term, yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know what killed him yet. Mm -hmm. um, so that is still looming, which, to be honest, is a huge drain. Yeah, I was going to say that not having answers yeah. is, is really hard. Yeah. So, I mean, from you know, from that point forward, it was a lot like just doing what was in front of me. You know, right. it was. You know, I had to plan the funeral and I had to take care of the service and I had to figure out what he wanted. And and weirdly enough, um, that past spring we had gone to um, he was a bit of a delinquent when he was a teenager and he got mm -hmm. to the point where his parents needed to send him somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so he actually ended up in the place that he needed to be. It was a Miracle Farm in Brennan, Texas, Brenham, Texas. Sorry. And we weren't there because the um, the executive director was retiring and Miss Sherry had been his house mother and all this stuff. And so we went mm. out there and we were standing on the front porch overlooking this pond and he put his arm around me and he said, when I die, I want to be cremated and this is where I want my ashes. Like, oh, you don't always get no. that from no, people, you don't. right? And no. so I was fortunate to get that from him. Mm -hmm. And so I knew exactly what he wanted. Mm -hmm. I also knew he wanted a full military honors funeral. Okay. And so we planned that mm -hmm. in Houston. Um, we had probably, it was over 100 people that were there. Wow. Um, Ranger Regiment sent official detail, which was really good. They didn't have to do that, but they did. We had the honor guard, had the, you know, the 21 gun salute, the whole mm -hmm. thing, you know, just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we did that and just the connections then that I made coming out of that, you know, mm -hmm. with some of the people that really cared about him right. have been the things that have gotten me through the right. rest of this time. You know, there's a, a couple of guys in particular that have just really shown up and check on me constantly and yeah. help me on those days when I'm just like railing against the fact that yep. this has happened. Right. And, you know, and I'm in denial and I'm, and then I'm judging myself for the way that I'm handling mm -hmm. it and I'm, you know, all of that sure. stuff and, yep. you know, and it's been up and down just constantly. And, um, you know, and so it's, and everybody's just like, well, grief is different for everyone is, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and it is mm -hmm. like, I, I totally, I 100% accept that. But as a control freak, <laughs> I want to control how I'm going to grieve. I'd like I want, the steps to be executed to and be one, done with two, this. Three. <laughs> check, check, check. Yep. And so it's right. been a real lesson for me, real development, crazy opportunity for me to just get clear on what I'm okay with, where my boundaries are, right. what you know, what I'll tolerate from people and some right. of this stuff. I've had some people just say some really stupid things to me. You isn't know, in that, this process. isn't that, you know, I've that, and I think for some, it comes, I believe they, they believe it's coming from a good place, mm -hmm. but if they were to actually hear what exactly they're saying, like repeated yeah. back to them, they would be mortified. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and I, 
Yeah. yeah. I've, 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 you know, yeah. and again, my mom, when she died, I mean, just if, and again, yeah. people not trying to be, you know, mean mm-hmm. in any way, but you kind of go, oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you just, but yeah, you, you yeah. learn what you kind of yeah. will tolerate and, and what it you will. And it is, you know, and it's, it's easy to pay attention to people's intentions, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like that really hurt and right. it was terrible, you right. know, and so I always Don't. have to kind of decide how I'm going to handle those things, right. you know. right. Um, yeah, but, you know, and one of the biggest things I've wrestled with in this whole thing is, um, the unfortunate side effect of being married to a man like Daryl, who was dealing with all of the things that he was dealing with is I got to accumulate a bunch of secondary PTSD. Mm-hmm. So I have my own PTSD that I've been working through from my military mm-hmm. time, from my childhood, from my life, um, from some fairly significant things. And then I married him or I became in a relationship with him that I knew was my last relationship. Like mm-hmm. that was, he was my person. Like, right. And that's the thing is we weren't together a long time as far as, you know, chronologically a sure. long time, but that was my person. Yeah. Like there, there was no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, you know, flaws as, as a list as long as mine. You know, I mean, and that's really the best way to put it is I'm not a perfect person and he oh. put up with a lot of stuff from me sure. and he was not a perfect person. And I was, I was navigating all of that stuff with him the same way he was with me. Mm-hmm. And, but we were for, you know, in this relationship, I was willing to do that mm-hmm. in a way that was significantly different than I was ever willing to do that with another human being mm-hmm. ever, any human being with the exception right. of my son, right? any other human being, right? <laughs> right. And I found the same well of patience um, for him that I had with my son, mm-hmm. you know, and as a parent, you know, like that well of patience is almost infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot you'll do for your kid. Absolutely. And that was how I felt about Daryl was that there was pretty much nothing I wouldn't do for him to help sure. him, to support him, to love him. And so um, but that came with this whole other set of pain and hurt mm-hmm. and and sometimes emotional abuse from him when he was not well. Sure. And he never intended that. That mm-hmm. was not coming from an evil place. Mm-hmm. It was coming from a place of fear and pain. Right. That he he didn't, he wasn't able to fully deal with mm-hmm. yet. And so, you know, for me, after he died, it was like all of this unresolved stuff mm-hmm. that I, I, I no longer had a way to resolve. And that was one of the hardest things was like, I was in this place of like, I'm so mad at you for dying and leaving me. Sure. And I'm so mad at you for us not being able to get all this resolved. Mm -hmm. Like now here I am stuck trying to figure out how to heal something that I will never receive like closure, whatever, whatever, whatever closure. I don't even know what closure is. No, I know people throw that word around a lot, but but I know what you mean. It's uh, trying to get some resolution to, yeah. In fact, I had a client the other day, you know, kind of in her own situation going on, I need, I need this closure. And I'm like, well, what if, what if closure isn't what you're trying to create here? What, what if, what if closure actually looks different in this situation, you know? And so, you know, with all of that pain and hurt that I've been trying to process, you know, it's it hasn't always come out in the most healthy of ways, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's there's been a few boxes of donuts that have been, you know, violently attacked right. in this process. I mean, you know, you know that happens. <laughs> Stuff like I've that. Atta- yep, I've been there. Um, you know, yep. days where I just want to lay on the couch and not do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, times that I just don't want to talk to people. Times when I, when I want people to talk to me more than they want to talk to right. me, you know. Right, Where I become really needy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's really been all over the place. But you know what I've chosen to do, what I've what I've decided to do is just mm-hmm. you know the people that do show up. You mm-hmm. know I've got a like I said a couple of his friends have just become really really good systems for me to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they that's been incredible. And then I've had I've been in therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yes, just almost Absolutely. immediately since all this happened. Big I have a spiritual that. advisor yeah. that I work with really closely. We met last night. And then kind of the the nice thing about this whole process is there's so much support in the military community, mm. um, specifically for people in my situation okay. where um, I can, there's some nonprofits I'm working with right now to go mm-hmm. through some treatments. Um, I'm getting a stellaganglial block um, here in the next few weeks as an example, which is one of those things that helps to reset your um, fight or flight system Mm, mm -hmm. in your body. Um, And so that's something that has been being used with a lot of the special operations community to help them with that. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear about hypervigilance with people Mm. who have undergone trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm dealing with that for different reasons than some have. But I've got that happening for me where I am constantly, I'm either going to fight or I'm going to run. Right. And it's these two extremes and it's exhausting. Sure. And, um, you know, and so I've just, I've been leaning on a lot of these resources that have been popping up. I've got a couple of retreats I'm going to go and do. Um, Booked a trip with um, one of, actually one of his friends that became one of my good friends. I was like, hey, you want to go to Nepal with me next October? So not this month, but a year from this month. We're going to Nepal. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, I could think of no one that I would rather go with. Like you and I are, That's are awesome. cool. Like we're good friends. Let's go. So he and I are going to Nepal next October. Um, you know, this spring I'm going to Costa Rica and then Mexico. And, you know, just I'm like, I at this point, I it's almost like all of the things I've always believed. Just, you know, take the limits off, go and do mm-hmm. the stuff, explore the opportunities it's like the throttle has just been taken off, like the governor on the throttle, I should right. say. And it's not recklessness. It's almost like it's almost like the worst possible thing in the world has happened to me as far as right. I'm concerned. Right. Why not do right. all of this? Right. Stuff? Go out there and see and yeah. see what's out there. And, you know, time is the only resource that yeah. we we well, we have no control over how much time yeah. we have. Uh, and it's a resource we can't recoup, right? Yeah. We can't get it back. And yeah. so why not spend whatever time any of us have doing things that we feel called to do, that we feel purposeful to do, and that we feel are going to fill our, our souls and, and, and take us, whether it's taking us places, you know, yeah. geographically or doing all those things. I, I think that's going to be a really important part. Like it's yeah. healing, Right. Yeah. There's some healing it that is. will will happen yeah. in that. You know, and it's funny because I was talking with one of his friends the other day and I said, you know, I'm doing all these trips. And what's funny about this is I would not have been able to do this. Not short term anyway. Right. If Daryl was still alive, because his anxiety kept us home mm, sure. a lot. Yeah. And and with cause. Like, yeah, I mean, it really did. It was really hard for him to travel. Yeah. Which was interesting because our entire relationship was done long distance. Sure. When we met, he lived in Savannah, Georgia. And then he moved to Texas and, you know, and I wasn't going to leave here. And we had that conversation up front where I was just like, if we're going to do this relationship, I am not leaving Iowa until Mm -hmm. my son is done with high school. Right. Like that, that is my hard line. There is no negotiation with this. 
And, you know, and he was like, well, I'm kind of trapped in the army until I can retire. And so I was like, we're going to do this for at least two and a half, three years Mm -hmm. this way. Are you okay with that? Like, I'm willing to commit to it if you are. And, you know, we laid it out and I was traveling about a week a month to go see him wherever he was. And he would come here as often as he could. Um, experienced his first blizzard last Christmas, oh, you know, and we yikes. had a great blizzard, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it, and it just, um, you know, it was, it was always about he and I, it was always just that deep commitment that we needed to make. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I've demonstrated to myself that I can make those deep commitments. Where else mm-hmm. do I need to do that in my life? Right. You know, right. what did this relationship teach me about right. myself, about how I can care, how I can love? where my boundaries need to be, quite honestly, to protect myself because I let myself be exposed to a lot of pain in that relationship. And, you know, it was right for that time. I don't regret a single thing about that. But going forward, do I have to repeat that? Right, right. You know, like what is the lesson I'm carrying? And so it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still every single day I wake up and I miss him, you know, his pictures next to my bed. He's, you know, he put different pictures of him and our life together, rotate through my phone screen. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the hardest things I had to do was he had a service animal, a Belgian Malawan named Mm -hmm. Ashley. She was Mm -hmm. three and, um, I couldn't keep her, Mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. She's, she's a working dog. Sure. She needed to be working. Mm -hmm. She was a, um, mental health working dog versus like canine style working dog. And, um, and she didn't get along with my female lab. Yeah. Like they would fight and they, they had hurt each other a couple Mm -hmm. of times. And I, my lab more than the Mal because the Mm -hmm. Mal's are just freaking crazy. But, um, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do with her, you know? And so I, when I immediately went down to Texas, I, you know, I got her and I brought her home with me. Um, or no, I didn't bring her home with me. I left her with his sister but I was just like, I don't like this. This dog is an extension of him. How sure. do I get? How do I rehome her? Right. How do I do that? Like, mm-hmm. how do I not keep her? And I'm not. I can't get rid of my labs. And I was just in this space, and a good friend of his called, and it. You know, long story short, he owned her sire, and so because that was where oh, Daryl had okay. gotten her was from this guy, you know. And I had a few people that had reached out and said we'll keep her, and you know all this stuff. But I was like. I need her with someone who knows how to handle a Mal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Jason called and said, I'll take her, you know? And, and I, another person had reached out who could also handle her. And I was just like, it felt right for Mm. her to go to him. And so I, I let him take her from the funeral. So she was Mm -hmm. at the funeral with us and she was having a hard time just Mm. because dad is laying there in the open casket, which was a nightmare, but in the open casket, and she's just like, but this is visually, this is dad, but like from a scent perspective, this she isn't knows. dad, yeah. you know, like she was having a hard time. Right. But so Jason took her and she was living in um, Alabama with him. And then he called me a couple of weeks later and he's like, I have this opportunity for her, but I'm not going to do it unless you are interested, unless you support it. And she's now in training to be a sheriff canine wow and so she's supposed to graduate her training sometime toward the end of the year and I'll get to go down and see her get her badge and you know and I'm just it's you know my husband his biggest thing was always he needed a purpose right when he didn't have a purpose when he wasn't serving someone when he didn't have a mission to go on when he didn't have something that he was focused on 
Um, he would focus on things he shouldn't first and foremost, well, easily distracted. It happens. Yeah. But he would, you know, but that was, you know, and Ashley being like her energy was just so connected to him. I was mm-hmm. just like, I can't think of a better way to resolve this than to get her into a place right. where she has a purpose. Right. She'll be serving, you know, she'll be serving, serving a community community. Yeah. Right. Serving, serving his memory. Right. In so many Absolutely. ways. And so like that, that's just been such a good news story at the end of it. And then of mm-hmm. course, every time I see, you know, a canine death in the line of duty or anything else, oh, I'm like, there's right. my biggest fear recognized no, right there. Go, yeah, right, I right. can't focus on that, but no. that's my biggest fear. Right. You know, so, right. But she will um, be serving. But, and, yeah. and like you said, as an extension of him and his, his yeah. purpose of, of serving others and yeah. that sort of thing. You mentioned when, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier that along this journey, people have maybe said things that weren't super helpful, but you've also had some people step up in some Mm -hmm. pretty major ways. Yeah. Uh, If, you know, what would you tell someone who has a, is is a partner to, or a Mm -hmm. friend to, or family member to someone who is in the midst of grief, someone is, is grieving, um, based on your experience so far, what would you, is there any guidance or yeah. advice you would have for, for them? How do you walk alongside or come alongside someone yeah. in, in their grief? Because I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that they may not be in the midst of it, but they know someone who, who is, and it's very easy to maybe pull away from yeah. because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't want to make that person feel any certain kind of way. Um, it can be very awkward to know Mm -hmm. is there anything that people have done or said things to you or things they've done for you that have been really helpful that you think it would be good for people to know I think the most helpful thing that people have done is just let me be where I am Mm. and just shown up like hey how you doing checking in I have a good friend who every single day he was texting me going hey just radio check how you doing you still alive Mm -hmm. you still okay Mm -hmm. you know and there were days I'd be like, I'm just not that good today. And he's like, that's okay. There's going to be days like that, mm-hmm. you know, and not trying to, I didn't need anybody to solve anything for right. me. And and that's, everybody wants to solve, you right. know. Because they want to fix it so that yeah. you can get back to the way you were and that's yeah. not going to happen. So and you, yeah. And the thing you have to check is like, who are you solving this for? Mm. Because you trying to solve this right now doesn't help me in the least. I don't right. need anything solved. Mm-hmm. I'm just in pain. Yep. There's not, there's not a pill or a word or a book or a podcast. There's nothing that's going to help me that's going to be the solution. Right. There are things that are going to help me along the journey. And so there were times that I just needed to talk and be mm-hmm. sad or, or talk and be mad. Yep. You know, and I had some people, you know, that, that I thought were showing up for me that couldn't handle it when I would get mad. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like, that's okay mm-hmm. for them. Sure. Like, it, it really is. But... What I learned is, okay, when I'm in that mood, I can't rely on them. Right. You know, but other people were just like, yeah, you have every right to feel however you feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of it was maybe the most helpful was just that, that permission giving in a weird way of like, you know what, just feel how you're going to feel. I remember, I mean, I remember reaching out to one guy one time and just being like, this is what's in my head right now. Like, am I crazy? He's like, I think you're entitled to do and say and think whatever you want right Mm -hmm. now do it like if that's how you're feeling feel it right go deep with it right 
you know, and on the flip side of that, I have another friend who was like, hey, I'm going to let you be crazy for a while. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. But you're only going to get to do that for a little right. while. You can't get is, stuck. Is like yeah. you, you, when, you, when I see you spiraling and recycling and doing this over, he's like, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to mm-hmm. call you on it. Mm-hmm. And he did. Like recently he did. Mm-hmm. I was spiraling on something. He was like, you're being a dumbass. Right. <laughs> and right. And there are people that. in your life that can do that, right? Yeah. Not everybody could probably do that with you, but yeah. there are people in your life that you know and trust yeah. enough that when they say those things, you know, they're yeah. saying it from a place that's yeah. good. That place that has yeah. you at the, at the priority. And yeah. I think being curious versus being the solver has mm-hmm. been the most effective mm-hmm. thing for me. Just yeah. ask the questions. Like don't right. assume, you know what I need because right. I don't know what I right. need many right. times. And so there's, you know, there's uh, even like this morning I, you know, I told one of my friends, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go on this podcast. He's like, I think it's too soon. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, well, I appreciate that opinion, but I'm still going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and he's like, well, I'll be here if you need me when it's over. And I was like, no, I, I appreciate that perspective because mm-hmm. in some ways, maybe it is. Maybe mm-hmm. it is too soon to talk about this, mm-hmm. but maybe that's also healing for me because of sure. my personality and who I am and the right. fact that I do tend to process through words. Mm-hmm. Like words are my thing. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, it's just it's interesting because you know, I'm at a place now just in my life in general where people can say that to me and I can say, thanks, I'm going to go right. do it anyway. Right. You know? right. Maybe years and years ago, you would have been like, oh, and yeah. I don't oh, know. Oh, he doesn't think I should do it. Right. I should probably not. Right. You know, some right. man is telling me, which right. that's a whole other yeah, dynamic. Yeah, I say that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, no, I and and, you know, the fact that you are coming on today. Uh, I really, really appreciate it because I know there are going to be people listening that are going through or have gone through something very similar and your words are going to speak to their, their soul and their spirit. And it's going to be, I think one of the things that's powerful is sharing our stories and it's validating and we know we're not alone, even though sometimes it feels like we are in, Mm -hmm. in things we're not alone. There are other people out there that are dealing with very similar circumstances and so to hear someone else speak maybe some of the things we're feeling or experiencing it's like oh wow okay I'm, I'm not alone here and I'm yeah. I'm I'm not going through this by myself I may not yeah. know this person that's speaking of these things but I'm hearing their words and I know that it's coming from their lived experience and I'm not by myself I'm yeah. not I'm not alone I'm not alone um so I want to wrap again, Jen, thank you so much for, for being on. I really appreciate you sharing your story and talking about Daryl and the man that he was and, and how he's really, it seems like he is, uh, his, his spirit is living on through, you know, this, this book I'll be anxious to, to yeah. read and as it, as yeah. it comes out and in the things that you're doing to honor him. Um, I, I always like to wrap up the podcast with a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, we're in the the middle stage, the marvelous middle age. Sometimes it's not so marvelous, yeah. and there are other times when it it can be really marvelous. Um, you're navigating a lot right now. If you had to go back to to Jen in her twenties and her thirties, what would you tell her about this stage? 
that you're in right now. So if I had a different version of this conversation with somebody earlier. I was like, God, if I had the knowledge I have now with mm-hmm. the energy and figure I had. Not that I feel, not that I don't really have body image problems <laughs> at this stage in my life. No, but, but you know, yeah, our twenties like, and thirties are different. You it's know, a different you're just, thing. you're physically different. You have different energy levels and all yep. of that. And it's, you know, for me, if I if I were to time travel back to that person, mm-hmm. you know, there's just patience, mm, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm very naturally an impatient person. But in that in my 20s, I was, you know, just think about who I was during that time. I was actively alcoholic. I mm-hmm. was on my first marriage, you know, divorced. I was in the army. I, you know, just all of these things were so different for me at that time. And I was so anxious to figure life out. Like, I just need the answers, you know. And what I learned, you know, in the next probably eight to ten years was that the the joy and the experience was in the journey. Mm -hmm. And I was trying so hard to get somewhere at that time. And so patience would be... You know, the thing I would go back and, and try to reinforce is just like trust the process. Mm-hmm. Like so much yeah. is unfolding and so much is evolving. And that's a reminder I have to give myself a lot today Absolutely. is trust the process that's going on here. And yeah, I mean, raise your hand and, you know, wave the flag and, you know, ask the questions. Don't blindly, naively stumble and let, you mm-hmm. know, stumble into walls or miss opportunities. But you know, there's there's a process of growth yeah. in this lifetime, and we're not supposed to figure it out. Like right. I would tell myself to drop the phrase "figure it out" like a hundred percent from my vocabulary. There's nothing to figure out. There right. was a lot to experience and grow and evolve from, but there's not a dang thing to figure out. No, nope. just keep Agree. just keep showing up. You know, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, I just want to again thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. And I know it is going to speak to a lot of people. And just like the coaching tool that has (laughs) stuck with me all these years later, your story is, is going to resonate and it's going to help a lot of people. So I'm excited for the book to come out when it, when it comes out, we'll have you back on. And I'd love to to talk about that some more. Thanks a lot, Jen. It's, it's just been such a pleasure to catch up with you and to visit with you today. Thanks, Nicole. If you are enjoying the podcast, please follow the show to make sure the latest episode is on your podcast feed each week. I would greatly appreciate a rating and a five-star review on the podcast platform you're listening on. It helps others to find the show. If there are topics you'd like to have discussed on the show, please email me at themarvelousmiddleagepodcast at gmail.com. The Marvelous Middle Age Podcast is produced by Riley Mullane and is part of the Ananellis Studios Network.